Alright, AK Lead Heads, welcome to the first installment of the Talking Lead AK Corner, presented by Pioneer Arms Corporation. And I am very excited to get this kicked off. And joining me today, we've got Ansel Robinson, a.k.a. you guys know him as Schwell. Schwell, welcome in. Thank you. Thank you. And Schwell is going to be joining me on our 12-part series, Learning About the AK-47. And our special guest today, we have none other than the carnivore himself, C.J. Johnson. Hey, guys. How you doing? Welcome in, C.J. So C.J. uh, is wearing a new hat. CJ is the vice president over all of Pioneer Arms Corporation, and Pioneer Arms is based out of Poland. Well, I'm director of all U.S. Uh, sales and, uh, with the guns. I also work in a lot of the overseas contracts and stuff of uh, procurement for those. Very cool. So, uh, CJ and Pioneer Arms Corp., thank you so much. I've been, for the past three years, this has been a, a mission, a goal of mine. I've been wanting to learn more about the AK-47. I have pretty much soaked myself with, with the AR-15, uh, just drenched myself with AR-15 knowledge, and I know that you leadheads uh, have heard a lot about it. And we've talked about the AK, AK from time to time. We've kind of touched on it. But I want to get into some deep rooted history and knowledge of the AK-47. This thing's been around, was this the 71st year, 71st anniversary uh, of the AK-47 is this year. There are over, I think some stats I've seen is anywhere from 50 to 100 million AK-47 circulating around the world today in over 55 countries. So this is a very prominent uh, rifle platform. And I, I think just just having some some common knowledge and some detailed knowledge would be awesome and you know that's been my goal for the past 3 years and that's what we're going to do in this 12 part series. We're going to be talking about the history of the AK47 today. Uh and then as we progress through our 12 part series, we're going to uh talk about the mechanisms, the actual working parts of the AK47. We're going to dissect it. Uh talk about the different parts, we're going to talk about the different variations of the AK47. We're going to have professionals, experts, so to speak, come in and talk about uh, gunsmithing, different philosophies of use, how it's used in different countries around the world, operation, different accessories, the ballistics uh, of the AK-47. So anything and everything that you want to know, milled versus stamped, I know that's a big uh, kind of, you know, what's the difference? You know, people don't know the difference between milled and stamped. So we're going to get into talking about that uh, during this 12-part series as well. So once a month, we're going to be bringing you this awesome new segment, the Talking Lead AK Corner, presented by Pioneer Arms Corporation. And uh, Schwell is going to be my co-host through the, the whole 12-part series. I'm looking forward to it. I, I love the opportunity to learn more about firearms. Well, anytime that we can do that is great. And, you know, depending on how successful this is, we may pick another platform and do a 12-part series on that. Uh, but, Schwell, introduce yourself for the leadheads uh, who aren't familiar with you. Well, um, thanks for having me on the show and, and uh, letting me be a part of this project because it sounds exciting and I'm looking forward to it. But for those of you that don't know, I'm known as Schwell, and that 
falls in line with Schwab 11, which is my YouTube channel. But I'm retired air traffic controller of the United States Air Force. Um, I've been retired for about 11 years now, but I spent 12 years in the Air Force doing air traffic control, and I enjoyed it a lot until a, t a growth on my spinal cord ended my career and my ability to talk to planes and, and continue with that passion. And uh, You know, I started off uh, in the aerospace industry. Uh, I got my degree in um, aerospace, started off pro-pilot, went admin, and I did a little bit of air traffic control training. I never actually uh, had a job in air traffic control, but uh, I've been up in those uh, towers, and man, I don't I don't see how you guys handle all that stress. Holy cow. I, you know, I, I, I tell folks all the time, I think anyone can do the job if they're able to accept the training that is provided. Right. I think it's like one of the top 10 stress-related jobs there is. Right. I am, um, you know, I'm a little biased there because I, I enjoyed the job. I thought it was the perfect job for me. So I embraced every aspect of it. And I, I think I lived for it. It was one of those things where I went to work every day with such a passion to get out there and, and, and get those planes up in the air and back on the ground safely that I didn't look at that part of the job as being the, the stressful part. The stressful part was dealing with my coworkers on a day-to-day -day basis and life <laughs> and life, you know, just life my, in general. Yeah. Right. My last duty station was Nellis air force base in Las Vegas, Nevada. And as an NCO, I had troops that were assigned to me and we're talking young kids out of high school who never left home and, their first duty station is in Las Vegas. You know, the, the gate to the, the base is less than 10 minutes from the strip. Yeah. So we, we had to deal with those growing pains, the, you know, those young airmen turning into adults and making mistakes. And we had to make sure that they were still available for us to complete the mission. <laughs> A lot of distractions there in Vegas. I like Vegas, but, you know, after about three or four days, I've, I've had enough of it. Right. And I, I was there for four years and I know exactly what you mean. I stayed away from the strip. It wasn't what I was there for. Right. All right, guys. So uh, let's do I've been I've been chomping at the bits. So let's get into this. Let's talk about the origins uh, of the AK-47. And uh, I'm using several different references that we're getting our information from. Uh, one of the main sources is, is Wikipedia. But, you know, I'm going to different articles, different YouTube videos uh, from reputable sources uh, that we're getting our information from. Uh, so the origin during World War II, and I'm going to say this wrong, it's the Sturmgewehr. 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 There you go. 44, which actually means, and I didn't, under, I didn't know this, Sturmgewehr means, it means assault rifle. And I didn't know that. And I thought that the uh, leftist liberals made up the term assault rifle, but actually it was the Germans. <laughs> so we can attribute the Germans to that. But the German forces made a deep impression on the Soviet counterparts during World War II. Uh, I guess they were being overpowered by uh, their automatic Sturmgewehr 44. It's a select fire rifle, uh, which was chambered for, the, at the time, the new intermediate cartridge. It was a 7.92 by 33 millimeter, and it's KERS, and combined the firepower, the firepower of a submachine gun with the range and accuracy of a rifle. On July 15, 1943, an earlier model of the Sturmgewehr was demonstrated before, and at the time, it was the People's Commissar of Arms of the USSR, 
the Soviets were impressed with the weapon and immediately set about developing an intermediate caliber, fully automatic rifle of their own. So that's kind of what spurred them to want to replace... Uh, at the time, they were using the PPSH-41 submachine guns and the Mosin Nagant bolt-action rifles. And not even all of their their soldiers, I think like one in three, might have been carrying the PPSH-41 submachine gun and, uh, and the Mosin Nagant rifles. So not only were they outdated weapons, but they didn't really have enough to, to outfit their entire army. So they were getting... Their asses kicked, basically, by the German forces in World War II. So the Soviets soon developed the 7.62x3 9mm M43 cartridge, the semi-automatic SKS carbine, and the RPD light machine gun shortly after World War II. The Soviets developed the AK-47 rifle, which would quickly replace the SKS in Soviet service. In the 1960s, the Soviets introduced the RPK light machine gun and an AK-47 type weapon with a stronger receiver and longer heavy barrel and a bipod that would eventually replace the RPD light machine gun. So that's that's a brief origin of how that was done. Now, you can't mention the AK-47 without saying the name Mikhail Kalashnikov. He is the... I guess the inventor, the designer of the AK-47. The Soviets actually had a contest, I guess, so to speak, where they had several of their top designers come in and develop um, different types of concepts for their new machine guns. And uh, the first run, uh, Mikhail Kalashnikov actually submitted a, it was a submachine gun. And his submachine gun was not accepted. And they went with... Um, SKS. They went with the SKS, yes. So his sub, his his very first design was... And it actually, that submachine gun looks a lot like the Tommy gun that we have here in America. And I think that's what his design was based on, uh, was the Tommy submachine gun. Well, through the Lend-Lease program uh, during World War II... Um, every Jeep and every truck that we sent to Russia uh, to help fight the Germans had a uh, kit with it. The kit included a forty five pistol and it included a Thompson uh, machine gun. And those were all sent over there with that. So they had a plethora of stuff to be able to look at for the guns. I mean, there's a lot of claims that, uh, that Kalashnikov copied a lot of other guns and took aspects out of them, you know, like the, the ASV-31, for instance, you know, he took different types of guns and then copied them. But when you go back and look at it, I mean, there are only so many designs and so many ways to skin a cat. Um, you know, so you're going to overlap on some of the designs and some of the other stuff that's there. And if it's a good design part that somebody else is using it, I mean, are you really copying it or are you using their ideal because it's a better ideal? Right. So in, in the face of rejection, you know, with his submachine gun, he pressed forward. And then in 1944, he designed the gas-operated carbine for the new 7.62x39 cartridge. And the influence, like you were saying, um, with us sending those different type of kits over there with with our different technology and rifles, uh, the M1 Grand, and it's Garand, uh, rifle, and and the Sturmgewehr played a part 
he took a little bit of both of those to develop the AK-47. And that's how he came up with the concept. He, he, he looked at the M1 Grand for ideals and stuff, but the, the M1 Grand design, and other than a, a small similarity to the boat and the AK-47, there's no similarity whatsoever. Yeah, but those two, those two concepts uh, became the basis for his entry uh, in the assault rifle competition in 1946. His winning entry, the Mikhitim, uh, it was so named by taking the first letters of his name, Mikhail, and his, his middle name is Timofovich. Uh, but it became the prototype for the development of a family of prototype of rifles. The process accumulated in 1947 when he designed the AK-47, which AK stands for... Avtomat? Yeah, Avtomat Kalashnikova, which basically means the the rifle of Kalashnikov translate to, but that's how you get the AK and then the 47, the year 1947. That's where the name AK 47 comes from. But in 1949, the AK 47 became the standard issue assault rival of the Soviet army and went on to become Kalashnikov's most famous invention. While developing his first assault rifles, Kalashnikov competed with two much more experienced weapons designers. There's a guy named Vasily and a guy named Gregory. And I'm not going to even try their their last names, uh, who both accepted the superiority of the AK-47. So that's how, in a nutshell, basically how Kalashnikov developed and designed the AK-47. He stole American technology. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I mean, that's that's how you that's how you make things better is you borrow technology from other things and then you make something better. You know, and that's what he did. I thought that's what I said. If if you're not if you're not stealing, or if you're not, if there's no controversy around your designs, then you're not trying hard enough. You're not trying hard enough, exactly. And I, I think uh, Mikhail did that uh, perfectly. So that's how we got the AK-47. But um, CJ, it was a it was a simple design. It was an a, a cheap a cheap to produce design as well, which added to the attractiveness of his of his rifle, of his platform, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was the whole thing about the gun and the reason that they went with his gun is the same reason that they went with the SKS to begin with was the simplicity of it being made, that it could be made quickly. Uh, I mean, process of this, you could, you could make an AK-47, you know, in about an hour. Uh, a prime example would be the Thompson. The Thompson was, you know, was undoubtedly one of the great submachine guns made, but the U.S. military stopped using it and went with the grease gun because the grease gun could be made for about $5. And the Thompson at that time was costing over $147. So, you know, there's a big difference in price and materials and quality and stuff whenever we're talking about these different type of guns and yeah. how that they were made. Right. You know, the technology that they made them with, they have the ability to do it. Uh, the Germans got defeated in World War II, a lot of people would like to say, because their technology outdid them. The Tiger tank and the Tiger II was the greatest vehicle uh, that the world had ever seen at that time period, but it had too many hours in it. The Germans just could not step back on their technology and just build something that was good enough. It had to be the vest. You know, the Stern Kavir. I mean, that 44, that's a gun. 
but the amount of hours that it took and the amount of resources that it took to make those guns and everything else really hurt the war machine. So when you come in with the AK-47 and it's the most popular gun in the world that's been sold, I think I think it I think somebody come up with a number of there's like 60 AKs for every human being on Earth. Um, yeah, well, I said there's estimations of 50 to 100 million. The the AK-47 was never designed as a long range rifle. It was designed for Soviet's tactics, and Soviet's tactics were basically to get online and to move forward because they had the manpower. You know, and that's the way that they had went forever. The people that were stationed in Germany during the Cold War, you know, they can all tell you about the onslaught that they were expected to do. You know, hundreds of tanks and hundreds of armored vehicles and and hundreds of thousands of troops that would be online just all firing and moving forward, you know, using the World War II tactics they had. And, you know, and it's it's led in developments to where, uh, you know, the gun improvements have, have come up and there's been changes to the original design for the AK that's made a difference in the guns that we have today. Right, which originally uh, his first was a stamped, and we're going to get into that in some in some later episodes, stamped versus milled. Um, so this, they start off with the Type 1AB, which was a stamped receiver for the AK-47, uh, and it was produced in 1949. The 1B was modified for an underfolding stock with a large hole present on each side to accommodate the hardware for the underfolding stock. Um, so they ran into some issues uh, with the older underfolding stock. So they started off with the stamped receivers, which the stamped, uh, which we'll, we'll get into in a later episode, is, is the cheaper, more cost-effective way to produce the AK. Uh, but then they, they decided that they wanted to switch over to the milled uh, receivers. I think it was around 1951, and that, they call that the Type 2AB, uh, was when their first milled receiver was made. And it's from steel forging. Well, the the problem that they had and stuff with the stamped receivers is, as you got to remember in that time period, the steel and stuff they had, it's really was really hard to control and regulate the exact quality of the steel that you're getting. So with the stamps that they were doing, they couldn't really control the type of steel that they were getting um, to be able to do the to do the stamps out of it, and that made sometimes that they would be brittle, so they were unreliable. So they went to the forging, which is you know, the new technology that they've had to be able to uh, start producing that. I mean, the original AK had 20 cast parts in it, mm-hmm. you know, from the get-go. Um, so, you know, and so it's it has to do with technology and what's able to do at the time period. You know, they went with, they went with stamps uh, because that was the technology that they had to do it, to build them rapidly, to build them fast. But then they realized because of the type of materials that they could get, um, you know, they weren't getting the quality that they needed. And so then they go to the mill or to the forged, um, yeah, you know, the, where they the can milled. start looking a little, a yeah. little bit of control on that. You know, and, and the milled type of receivers and stuff they've got out there. I mean, you're only going to get so much accuracy out of a 7.62 by 39 round to begin with. Right. But those that they that they switched over to the milled in 1951, but uh, that was the Type 2AB, uh, and it had the distinctive socketed metal boot connecting the butt stock to the receiver uh, and the milled lightning cut on the sides that were parallel to the barrel. And then they progressed to, you know, what's quoted as the final version, the Type 3AB of the AK milled receivers made from steel bar stock. It went into production between 1953 and 1954, the most ubiquitous example of the milled uh, receiver AK. The milled lightning cut on the sides is slanted to the barrel axis. 
And then they progressed on to the Type 4AB, uh, which is the AKM receiver, stamped for a smooth one-millimeter sheet of steel supported extensively by pins and rivets. It went into production in 1959, and this is the actual version um, that went to, to Vietnam and uh, gave, us, gave the Americans such a, a pain in the ass. Overall, the most used design in the construction of the AK series rifles. Right, and they went back to stamped because the technology allowed them to go back to be able to verify the materials and start that they were using. Exactly. Uh, and then in 1974, the Soviets began replacing the AK-47, AKM rifles with a newer design, the AK-74, which uses a completely different round uh, because they thought the Americans, you know, during the Vietnam War, we were using the uh, 5.56 by 45 millimeter. They, they needed to go to a similar type cartridge. Uh, and then the AK-74 was using the 5, uh, 0.45 by 3.9 millimeter. Uh, this new rifle and cartridge had, cartridge had only started to be manufactured in Eastern European nations when the Soviet Union collapsed drastically slowing production of the AK-74 and other weapons of the former Soviet bloc. Well, I mean, it, it just it goes that the, the 74 is just a variant of the 47. You know, it's, it's commonly called the 545. Um, round is what everybody uh, shoots, and it's as far as accuracy, um, it was a better round. Um, but it still didn't have the um, production numbers of the, the 39 round that was out there. Yeah. And I think that was due to the collapse of the Soviet right. Union. Right. Once the once we out technology, basically we outlied the Russians and we outspent <laughs> them. Yeah. Is what it was because Star Wars was never a reality, um, and we continued to feed. Uh, we actually had a branch of the service that the only thing that the CIA did was feed false intelligence and stuff to the Russians. Like the space shuttle, the, the exact space shuttle that they had a copy of ours, we actually fed them all of the documentation and everything else for that space shuttle for them to be able to bid it, build it completely, except we did not give them the, the, the technology that we were using, the ceramic tiles and stuff on it for the reentry. That's the reason the space sh- their space shuttle went up one time, came back in remote control um and brought it back in and it scarred the hole so bad and everything else the russians couldn't figure out how to come back through the atmosphere the whole plan <laughs> with the cia was for the them to do their space shuttle like ours and theirs to burn up and re-entry misinformation yeah misinformation but i, I mean they're 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 this tons. is why i love having you on the show cj i mean you've got all these these secret tidbits useless information party favorites. i wouldn't call it useless information i it's very he's, useful information. He, he's a walking Jeopardy champion. He he very <laughs> which is. Uh so that brings us to I guess from the AK74 to where they are today the AK12 which the AK12 is the Russian 545 by 3.9 assault rifle designed and manufactured by to Kalashnikov concern. Uh, which formerly was the Ismash manufacturer. That's who was doing all their AKs. Uh, and the, originally, when um, when Mikhail developed his rifle, it was known as Ismash. 
It's a huge manufacturing. It's like Nissan is here in uh, in Tennessee. It's like a city of its own. That's all they develop are weapons. It's pretty cool. Before we before we transition to the AK-12, one thing that I'm I'm extremely impressed with is we're talking about something that was developed in 194 released in 1947 and hasn't changed a lot in the decades. And we're now the commercial segment of the firearms industry. We're still using these guns today and loving them <laughs> well i'm just you know taking taking the history of it and then realizing that a few of the ak-47s that i have in my collection in 2018 are exactly the same as what was designed minus you know the select fire or the fully automatic option but yeah they've they've made it through the time they've been through a bunch of wars they've 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 lasted long enough for us to now embrace them as recreational shooters so Mikhail uh, Kalashnikov had a saying, and I think it I think it kind of goes into the design and the resilience of the AK-47 as to why it still exists today, why it's a popular, you know, still a popular platform. Uh, and he said, "All that is complex is not useful, and all that is useful is simple." You know, and that sums up the AK-47. It's a, it's a very simple, simple to build, simple to use. You know, there's not a lot of maintenance that you have to put into these things. You know, there's not a lot of, of knowledge that you have to put on how to use them. You know, I think that's, that's one of the reasons why it's so resilient, you know, why it's still around today, why it's been around for 71 years. And you still have, you know, major military forces you know still using the ak-47 today and there's still i mean even there are companies that are making new ak-47 still you know i mean the old ones are still out there and in circulation and can be had uh, but there are companies that are making new ak-47s such as pioneer arms <laughs> pioneer arms absolutely uh, among other things that they make right, a little history of pioneer arms is uh, you know everybody there seems to, you know, we are made in Rodham, Poland, is where Pioneer Arms are, is made at. Um, Rodham is is noticed, uh, you know, it's known for um, the, it's basically the General Walter uh, Metalworks plant that was there, which was, was, was given the number Circle 11 plant because there was already a number 11 plant in there. And, I mean, it was a plant that was done by the German, or started by the Polish and you know, in 1925, which was a state-run uh, arsenal, and then you know the Germans took over it in World War II, and then after World War II, the Russians stepped in and they took over the plant and continued with it. It's one of the few, um, you know, that plant now, which is it's. Uh, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, you know, FB, but it's Fabrik Roni. Um, that's the plant that's there now. Uh, but the Circle 11 plant went bankrupt in 2000. Uh, you know, and the biggest product that they used to make were sewing machines. So <laughs> really? they, were, they were really they they really made a lot of sewing machines. It's a state owned uh, owned arsenal that's there, and Fabric Roni owns it now. And that's why you can't buy a Fabric Roni receiver is because they don't they don't sell them outside. They only do you can only get Fabric Roni parts, you know, barrels and buttstocks and grips because they're under a military contract uh, to the government. That, you know, they're a state owned company. Mm -hmm. uh, Pioneer went in in 2000, whenever uh, uh, the, the General Walter plant, Circle 11 plant, was in financial trouble, 
and basically it was it was the old government, and they were making sewing machines and other stuff. And Pioneer went in and basically bought uh, bought the plant. So the Archer logo, which belonged to uh, to that particular plant, is now Pioneer's. Uh, factory 11 is what we own. We own the original Factory 11 that Circle 11 was later named uh, after. And all of the workers in 2000, when they went bankrupt, we hired all of the same workers that built these the fabric brony guns that you could buy in the States and everything, the Circle 11 guns mm-hmm. that you could buy in the States. All of those workers came and worked for us. So we took all of the state employees as part of the deal that we had to do when we bought the when we bought the company, and we actually owned the rights to make the AK-47. Now, uh, it's like a, it's like a patent. You know, we own the blueprint and the patent to be able to make the gun. Uh, for instance, if if uh, Circle Eleven was to get, uh, if they were to, the, the guy that bought that is actually an industrial guy that does a lot of sales and stuff with that. If he decided he wanted to start making AKs, even with that prestigious name of Circle 11, he would have to go and buy the rights to be able to do that. So you actually have to have those blueprints and those licenses to be able to do it. We have those licenses to be able to do it. We bought those licenses from Circle 11. So we have the Circle 11 blueprints the license to be able to make everything. We have the Circle 11 employees, and we're the we're the only company that's actually making AKs in Rodham. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, you know, uh, Rodham AK," and and you guys are trying to say that you're the the famed Rodham AK. Well, we're the only Rodham AK. They don't make <laughs> them there anymore unless you know they're made for the military. Because you guys have the license for that. We have the license to be able to do that, and we we own the name. You know, to to be able to do that there, uh, Fabricroni is you know they're a good company, they're a smaller company. They've they've tried to do some stuff in the U.S. for Rodham USA. Um, I wish those guys luck. I mean, we need more AK companies out there because you know as the, the technology and stuff changes, um, you have to step your game up. You know, to to put better products out there, and the more. Uh, companies that we have, the more competition that we have, the better that it's going to make us, and it's going to make the other com- companies that's out there also. Right. So it's just like the, I, the AR-15 market. You know, there's there's so well, many of them out there, and the competition's so stiff that if you're not bringing something new and innovative to the to the table, then you're not going to last. Well, that's the reason that that we, you know, that I approached you, and we sort of talked about this idea, and you were like, "Wow, you know, I've been wanting to do this for a long time," is because I don't want this to be just talking about Pioneer. I want this to be also talking about all the AKs and stuff that we have on the market, uh, the different products that are out there. You just won't have the Pioneer stuff going back and forth on it. I mean, we'll have Century in here. Um, we'll have guys guys coming in from, you know, Palmetto State, from, you know, Arsenal, from the other companies that are, that are making AKs. We right. want to get their guys' opinion and stuff on it, too, for the products that are being made. Exactly, and that and that, that's what it, this is not going to be a bias show, guys. Uh, everybody, uh, we're not going to badmouth anybody either, but we're going to get other companies, just like CJ said. They're going to talk about the way that they do their AKs, their opinion on the AK market. You know, kind of get their their spin, get get their uh, you know what what they're what they're getting. You know, as far as pulse wise, as far as the AK market goes. Um, but it you know, this is an educational show. And we're not, like I said, we're not going to badmouth. We're not going to talk down other companies. Uh, everybody's going to have an opportunity to uh, 
uh, you know, showcase their thoughts, their ideas about the AK. And, you know, that was one of the stipulations. And I, I greatly appreciate you and Pioneer Arms giving us this opportunity to do this. And I know that the AK lead heads out there do too. You know, there's there's tons of different manufacturers that are doing it different ways, you know, and, and technology is has changed as far as how, you know, the, the AKs and stuff are made. You know, it's, mm-hmm. people are going to say, oh, milled is so much better. Than stamped, yeah. Milled than better stamped, than stamped. And, yeah. and it's, it goes back and forth to really what you're looking at the technology level and what you can control in the technology. Right. And it's ultimately your decision on what you, you know, feels better the it's it's a personal preference kind of thing, but we're we're going to bring you the information. You're going to make your own decisions on what's best, what's right for you. But we want your feedback, guys. We want if there's something particular that you want to know about, you want us to talk about, send me an email, talkinglet at gmail dot com. Uh, in the in the uh, subject, put AK Corner, so I know because I get a lot of emails from you leadheads from our our regular show as well. So. That way I can quickly discern uh, what the, uh, the information is going to be about. Uh, and then well, we'll address those on the show. We'll get the, we'll get the experts on here. We, you know, we'll try to get that product in, get hands-on with it, if it's something in particular. But, yeah, we want you – this is an interactive show, so we want you guys, we want you leadheads to take part. Well, you know, one of the things that's getting ready to change in the industry that, that we've started to change, and we're catching a little flack over it, is chrome line barrels. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, everybody wants to go with a chrome line barrel versus, you know, something that's nitrated. Um, when you go back and you look at the actual data, you know, the nitrate is better for the chrome line, but it's hard to get past. That. It's kind of like the Glock. The Glock came out with the polymer lower, mm-hmm. and everybody was like, "Oh my God, this is don't put your gun next to the fire; it's going to melt," and all this <laughs> right. other stuff, and don't let your dog eat your gun. Yeah, um, all of this stuff come up about that, and now everybody started to go with polymer. For their lowers, uh, you know, it's the technology that's able to do it. And one of the reasons that we are not doing the chrome line barrels is due to the fact of the environmental constricts that we have in Poland right now. Uh, you know, the, the chrome line is is has so many carcinogenics whenever you produce that that it does a lot of damage to the environment. And so that's one of the reasons that we've sort of stepped away from doing that. I mean, we have the, the melanite on the outside, you know, we're, we're the nitrate barrels on the inside, uh, which you look at the data and everything else on it, the nitrate barrel, barrels work better, you know. And, and we could go and we could talk about military guns, but, you know, Pioneer, the guns that we're selling on the civilian market, they aren't military guns. They're not designed to be converted to full auto and to shoot 15 magazines through to see when the gun's going to blow up. I mean, you know, the gun's not designed to be able to do that. Yeah, it's now, designed to, you know, to be a recreational shooter to go out and have fun with the gun. It's it's absolutely built at the same design that the military guns are. It's it's built off the the same uh, material. It's built off the same specs all the way across the board on it. Yeah, uh, CJ, give them the website uh, that the leadheads can go to for Pioneer Arms Corps and uh, check out your line of firearms there, including your AKs. Yeah, it, our website is Pioneer. Uh, dot pack dot arms and you guys you guys can go there and check it out um as far as the guns we're making we are really before we started making ak we made custom coach guns and uh, a lot of people are are still really like the coach guns and stuff that we make and, and there was a lot of uh, man hours and quality and stuff inside of the guns and we're not really we're not really producing those right now we have the pps 43s 
uh, we had the PMC 63s. We're making the sporter rifles that we're bringing in, and James Rivers is converting them into the to the AKs. You know, with the 922 compliance, and we're also making the uh, AK pistol 762 by 39. Uh, we're the bringing help those up. in to help up. Uh, so we're also doing that, and we just got our approval back for the ATF for our help up in 22 and our sporter in 22. So we'll have an AK pistol uh, in 22 and also one in um, a rifle in 22 in the sporter version. And we are uh, working on our 7.62, or not our 7.62, but our 9 but 39 pistol uh, that we'll be bringing in shortly. Very cool. So again, that website is uh, Pioneer, P-I-O-N-E-E-R-P-A-C.com, guys. Uh, go check them out. Uh, you're not going to be disappointed in the products that they are importing into the good old U.S. of A. And it, it's companies like Pioneer Arms that are able to bring us uh, some of these hard-to-get firearms uh, and we greatly appreciate that. So thank you, CJ. Thank you, Schwell, for our first episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner brought to you by Pioneer Arms Corp. In uh, our next episode, we're going to focus on the parts of the AK-47. So we're actually going to dissect uh, an AK-47, and, and like I said, we'll probably get into talking about the stamped versus milled and the pros and cons of, of those. I think this is going to be a great learning experience, not only for myself and you, Marty, but I think a lot of questions will be answered and a lot of things will be pointed out and shared with the listeners. And I think everybody should be as excited as I am right now. Cause I'm, I'm very excited about what, what, what's going to happen here. But yeah, I'm right. I'm right on. I'm tracking with you, Swell. I'm really excited about this. Uh, like I said, I've been wanting to do this for the past three years, and I really appreciate the opportunity from from you guys and from Pioneer Arms Corp in making this happen. And I know a lot of the leadheads uh, are also excited. So again, leadheads, send in your questions, your comments, um, topics that you want us to cover about the AK-47. If you've got like, maybe a certain individual. Uh, that you want us to have on, um, we'll take your suggestions. Now, what I don't want is I don't want any emails bashing, you know, talking trash about another manufacturer. This is better than that. I mean, your your opinions are are welcome, and you know, I welcome those and I'll read them. Uh, but you know, we're looking for this is an educational show, so we're we're wanting to educate. And, hey, Marty, let's uh, yeah, let's take it one step forward since this okay. is our. Our maiden show that we've got on there. Let's do uh, it. Pioneer Arms is going to give away a help up to one of your listeners. Whoa! And we're going to give, a, we're going to give away a, a PPS forty three. Whoa! There you go, so, guys. So two of, your, two of your listeners are going to wind up with our guns. So, so through our twelve part series, guys, whoever is engaging and and taking part in this series. We'll you know we'll take everybody's comments. We'll take everybody, but who whoever we think no, is what? No, what? Marty, we're gonna we're gonna do a gun per segment. Per segment, we're gonna do twelve guns. Tw- there you and go, gonna, guys. And we're gonna start it off with two, but all the other shows we're gonna give away a gun. So we'll give two to begin with, and we'll give we'll give a uh, one every uh, segment past this. Wow, that's amazing, guys. So there's your incentive to take part. 
be engaging, as I always say, with us. And uh, somebody's going to walk away. And again, you know, all all uh, laws and um, FFL. Yeah, 20, FFL. 21 years old, not a fella. It's got to go to an FFL. Right. Uh, all, the, all the laws apply. So, um, damn, that's, that's a hell of a... I was not expecting that, <laughs> CJ. Damn, son. Hey, you know, and, and something else, just, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about Pioneer. Something else about Pioneer. Um, you know, we're going to take care of our guns, and we're going to take care of our customers. Uh, customers that, you know, have emailed us with problems or anything else. We, we've even had a, a prior company that I had no association with, and Pioneer had a loose association with uh, from eight years ago. I'm actually doing repair work on their guns and, and giving them parts for their guns for free. I mean, Pioneer, we, we, we're not going to stand on the name of Rodham like everybody wants to do, that we're the Rodham AK company. We're going to stand on the name of we're the Pioneer AK company. That's what we're standing on is our name. That's solid. That's solid, guys. Uh, take part. There's opportunities here for you guys to walk away with an AK, uh, a PPS. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. There you go. Uh, again, Swell, CJ, thank you so much. And we will be back next month with another segment of the Talking Lead AK Corner brought to you by Pioneer Arms Corporation. And we'll be announcing two winners, uh, one one PPS and one AK-47, right, CJ? Uh, right. The AK-47 will be a hell pup. It'll come with a cleaning rod, an oil bottle, and uh, four magazines. Nice. And the PPS? It'll come with a cleaning, bo- uh, cleaning rod, a oil bottle, and four magazines. And assigned eight by twelve autograph picture of swell, <laughs> swell. <laughs> that, that, that eliminates it as, as far as a prize. That's like a punishment. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, guys. Until next time, Dasvidaniya. <laughs>